he showed me this old video of Nale climbing room service low. He like tops it out and he's like, same boulder as the last, or same beta as the last fucking boulder. Motherfucking Squamish beta. Don't try hard. And like he comes down and he's freaking out with Paul. He's just like, see Paul, you just fucking don't try hard. You just climb it and do it good. And <laughs> I think about that video a lot because it explains like the, the hard climbing style here when it does go. But that feeling is exactly like the source of my motivation along with also being on like a really cool piece of granite and like being in some really beautiful places hey welcome to the test piece podcast this podcast is about all things high level climbing my name's joshua horsley i've been climbing for 25 years and i love staying at the cutting edge of climbing Hi, my name is Timothy Kang. I'm a pro climber, a coach, and a route setter, and climbing is my life. We started the podcast to explore and articulate what it takes to climb at a high level, what it takes to go from good to great. Okay, let's start the podcast. Okay, Ethan Salvo, welcome to the podcast, my dude. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Pretty stoked to chat today. Even even though it's like 8.30 in the morning, you definitely win the award for earliest podcast, which is my fault. I'm the one who asked you to, to wake up early. Yes, and yes. you're also our first international, uh, yeah, our first international Dang. guest. Wow. I mean, I think, wasn't Andy in Squamish when he did his? I guess he's American, but he was <laughs> up here. He's like basically Canadian at this point. We're trying to, we're trying to make him our own. <laughs> Yeah, he. I mean, dude, he was one of the impetuses for for hitting you up. Uh, it, you know, just those stories of Squamish, what he was working on, that room service project really sparked my curiosity. And so, yeah, I I, I reached out to you and Lucas Uchida, who unfortunately couldn't make it today. He's he's uh, I think he's teaching teaching kids how to climb at the Hive right now. But uh, maybe maybe we'll bring him back for a round two. But you guys have really just been pushing the limits up in Squamish and you know I, other than when Andy talked about you you guys hit my radar just when I saw you starting to do V14 and V15 I, I feel like yes those are hard grades but um a lot of pros do those grades but in Squamish pros don't do those grades like people do not show up to Squamish and do a bunch of 14s and 15s in a two week trip it's just different. Um, so yeah, uh, Ethan, I don't know. I know you're based in Squamish. I know you can see the chief outside your, your, uh, window there, but maybe you could just give a little overview of Squamish kind of how you ended up there and, and what makes it special and yeah. Why you uh, are calling it home right now. Sure. Um, yeah, this is great. I like to talk about this story a lot cause it's a nice like full circle moment for me. I have a lot of like different stories like that in past years that have kind of taken me places, but Squamish is one of those places where life has kind of, you know, revolved around for quite a bit and it's kind of just made sense to come here. But, um, back in high school, I like came out to Vancouver on a school trip. That was like my first time on the West coast. And I was like, wow, this is pretty sick, you know, like just going around Vancouver and there's like parks in the city and stuff. And you're like, wow, this is way better than the suburbs or the city and there's mountains and I had just started climbing at that point and I didn't make it to Squamish that trip, but 
in 2020, I came out here for like youth Boulder nationals. And, um, on the first day, I actually like convinced my mom to drive up to Squamish just for us to like go see it. And I like went to the room and saw Dreamcatcher, and I was like pretty psyched. I was like, wow, this is insane. Like this, this is what I've like been dreaming to see for a long time, you know, and it's like all right there. And it's kind of surreal to walk through the forest for the first time. So that definitely like left a good impression. And then I competed in the comp and like at that point in my climbing life, I was kind of like competing and climbing outside equally. Like, I don't know, I kind of grew up in a sport background swimming. And so with climbing, it kind of just was like, oh, well, like competing is like what you do. Like that's the point of sport is competition. And then also kind of learning that there was this different side of climbing in the outdoor realm. Um, And then after the comp, I actually like vividly remember sitting in semifinals and like looking out the windows of the gym and being like, damn, like (laughs) I want to be in the mountains instead, like climbing. I don't want to be here, like waiting to climb five boulder problems and like compete against like my best friends. And it's like all this weird tension all the time. And I was just like, I'd just rather like go climbing with my homies and like try and do some hard stuff. And yeah, I didn't make finals. I like had a shit round (laughs) and I went up to my coach and I was like, I'm never competing again. <laughs> like I'm done. And I went to Squamish like the next day <laughs> with my mom and we rented pads from like the local gear shop here, climb on Squamish or climb on equipment now. And, uh, that's on second Ave at the time, which is now like two blocks from my current house, um, that I'm living in. And yeah, I went climbing in the grand wall for the first time. I like did the egg. That was like the first boulder problem I climbed in Squamish and then I went and tried room service for the first time. Dude, that's a hard boulder problem. <laughs> yeah, it was like cold. It was February. I got like lucky. It was a dry, snowy day. And it was like my first time kind of understanding granite and like being like, wow, this is so subtle and different. But getting to feel the forest on like such a perfect rare day. I like that you had this epiphany while you were, you know, maybe a 60 minute drive away. I guess I'm guessing the cop was in Vancouver, which for, you know, for the geography, people who haven't been up there. Vancouver is just right above Seattle on the West Coast. So it's kind of like Pacific Northwest. And then Squamish is maybe another 45 minutes or 60 minutes up this beautiful, beautiful road. And when I think of Squamish, I I mean, I would just want to echo all those things, but I always thought of it as adult summer camp. We would go <laughs> in the summer and it's like, okay, you could mountain bike. It will also, the food is so good in Vancouver. I love Vancouver. You mountain bike, swim in these beautiful lakes. You can climb on the chief. Uh, there's sport climbing and then there's a lot of bouldering. And you said something that just totally reminded me of the forest. We call it, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is like a local thing. We call it the magical forest. I, I don't know like where that came from, but it's interesting because it's, it's theoretically, I think it would be like a talus field of all these jumbled boulders, but then you have this soft, like spongy overgrowth with these beautiful trees. And it's just got this tranquility. I don't know, man, a uh, really special place. And I, I think it's cool that you had this like epiphany or like, I don't want to climb uh, like against my friends in indoors. Like, let's go to the magical forest and climb together. <laughs> yeah. It's like such a like happy go lucky idea when you put it that way, but like in a way, totally. Um, and I think you described like the forest in a, a really good way. 
it's funny you mentioned like the talus because I've seen it like exploring around in spots. You like go in little caves and they go down really deep. And that's kind of when you realize like, oh, wow. Like in the room, for example, there's this hole in the ground and you can like crawl in the hole in the ground and you like slide through this little tunnel and it opens up. And then there's like this huge apartment sized cave down there. That's just like a big apartment building kind of complex size. And you're just like, wow, like you could divvy down here and like this would be totally chill and big and spacious but it like keeps going and it's cool when you think about how much the forest has overtaken it and like you see it with cleaning too and like um i've heard a lot of friends are like oh i've like scrubbed boulders and like three years later the moss is just like completely taken over again and it doesn't even look like anyone's been there um but it does have this very like ethereal magical feel to it um i think about like walking through there on a winter day and the light hangs lower in the valley at that time of year and the light's very like warm and golden and the moss kind of just illuminates and it's this very special feel. It's like kind of such a perfect, like magical place to spend time as a climber. And um, it almost feels like heavenly in a way. I think about Squamish a lot and I like get nervous about the idea of like ever leaving. I'm like, God, I don't want to leave because it's just, it feels so perfect here. <laughs> That's funny you use the word heavenly. I was just texting with Mark Bourguignon, uh, who lives up there. I asked him, are, are you going to be based out of there forever? He's like, dude, this is my own personal heaven. I, I'm never leaving. And so I, I get it. I, I definitely um, hear that a lot. Uh, well, I, I feel like we painted a damn good picture of, of Squamish and how, you know, definitely added that to everyone's bucket list. Although, those tunnels freak me the hell out. Uh, going between boulders, and you know, you'll like start some climb, and people say, "Oh, you see that hole right there? Like you can climb in there and just go and appear out by this other boulder, and it's you have to wiggle through there." And I was just never down. I don't know. I just don't want to climb in holes in the dark. Now, I'm a climber. I like climbing big, tall, beautiful things in the sun, not you know going into little holes underneath boulders. So. Um, Anyways, I yeah, that, maybe that's for other people. But so we just talked about how uh, Squamish is freaking beautiful, and everyone should add it to their uh, you know to their bucket list. Whether even God, even if you weren't a climber, but we're a climbing podcast. And as I mentioned before, Squamish is just different, and, and I want to tease that out here. Uh, uh, my my kind of story around Squamish is going in the summer. And being psyched, being in good shape, being strong, climbing, you know, like V13 at the time, and then going and just barely eking my way up one double digit and just getting my ass kicked, like just fully, just my ego, my very fragile ego just got totally deflated. Um, I think I, I actually, I sent you the video because I was very proud of this. The one cool thing I did was I flashed ride the lightning, which is cool but it's probably like a V8. Um, so, you know, not really my, my most impressive achievement. Dude. And no, that's, yeah, I just, that's pretty impressive after getting my butt kicked though. <laughs> thanks man. Yeah. I, it's, it's, you know, I got, I had to like say something to reinflate my, my ego there. Uh, but so the really interesting part though, is that I, when I got my butt kicked, right. So I just, I really did. Uh, and I came, I had blast and I have a, a whole tick list of really fun moderates that I'm going to recommend later. But, I came back and dude, I had just leveled up in my climbing and I had an amazing fall and winter season and it just kind of blew my mind. It was, it was very clear that despite me climbing on quote unquote easier grades, I had 
leveled up my technique in a way that was just this graceful way that I couldn't put my finger on. And it always stood out in my head as something really interesting. I didn't quite understand. And so seeing you guys up there pushing into the highest grades Squamish has ever seen and understanding kind of what that makes you as a climber and why I was so bad as a climber. I, yeah. Let's start there. Um, Ethan, why did I suck so bad at Squamish <laughs> compared to everywhere else? And is it just me or is Squamish actually, Squamish actually different? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's different. Um, I mean, for one, it, it's a rainforest in a way. Um, so there's that <laughs> conditions definitely matter a lot with the granite here. It's like very finicky, very condition dependent. Um, it doesn't really break in a very featured way as most people would consider featured, um, you know, like a wall with a lot of holds and an obvious, I'll, I wouldn't say like an obvious line per se, but rather like a wall where there's just like a bunch of holds and like, it's kind of obvious what you would grab and whatnot, but Squamish rather has these very large features that break and they're typically like big ramps or sloping or rets or you're squeezing somewhere. And just because of that, like the holds aren't necessarily there, but the angles are there. So it's about like learning how to put your body in the optimal positions to use those angles. And um, I think it's just like a little bit of a deeper level of problem solving maybe. And then on top of that, when conditions aren't there, it just makes doing that first part a lot harder. So I think a lot of people have that experience. And I mean, I definitely have it living here. Like I spend every summer still going bouldering, which I like need to stop doing. I need to like do something else when it's really hot and like do some other climbing. But yeah, you like come up here and you try and like do the hardest moves and they're typically like frictiony and precise and weird. And you're like, oh damn, like you can do it in this temperature, but when it's your max here to climb at your max, like for, to reach your absolute limit, you need everything to be ideal. And so therefore conditions have to be ideal. And so I think when people come here with expectations, um, you typically end up disappointed unless conditions actually are ideal, which usually you're lucky if that happens in the summer, um, that'd be pretty freak. Or if you're like passing through on a winter day like me and it just happens to be dry and you can like rent pads and that's sick. Yeah. But for the most part, I think it's just very different than other areas. Yeah. So my my experience in the height of the heat in summer in July when it was both hot and somehow raining at the same time was maybe not optimal. But I I I do find it really interesting where you're describing the rock where it's it's not like there's exactly clear holds like i mean there are there's rails and these things but in general you're finding these shapes like big blunt arrets that you you utilize as as a as a feature it's it's it makes me think of yosemite kind of has a similar thing and a lot of granite climbing does where you use features rather than holds and it's cool because all this stuff is always ah oh, what's the word it's um Damn, I'm blanking on where it's, uh, oh, I'm not going to get a anyways. Like if you look at the little holds, they look the same as the big holds look the same as the feature fractal. It's fractal. Like, you know, it all kind of expands. Yeah. Fractal. Uh, and so, yeah, so it's crazy, you know, when you just have these, these feature climbing and it really does force you to think of body positions first and hold second, which was really hard for me at the time. It was like, okay, 
what do I grab? And then how hard do I pull on it? And, you know, it, it makes me think of talking to, talking to Andy about that room service, low, low, low project. And he was describing how he felt like Squamish had this issue or not issue, th this difficulty because there was condition problems, but then you had to find the right body position because just like you were saying, body positions really lead the way, but then stacking perfect body position after perfect body position, you know, and on and on and on is a different challenge than grabbing a crimp and pulling hard and grabbing another crimp and pulling hard. And so, yeah, does that ring true? And, um, you know, what does that feel like? Like, how does that make you approach boulders differently? Um, yeah, I think you're like right on the money. I'm just going to grab my sweater first before I speak to it. It got a little cold in here. It is sure, sure. getting temps out there today. Ooh, does that mean you're going to get out? Uh, we're going <laughs> to see. <laughs> it's funny. We were talking earlier and you were like, oh, like, can you get days in winter? And this is kind of like one of those days where most people are like, you're going rock climbing, dude. And I'm like, I'm going to try Like, <laughs> if I can. I don't know. It's not supposed to rain until like 2 p.m. So I figured like get up early with you, do this podcast, like, and that arete thing that we were talking about the other get day psyched. on the dynamite yeah. boulder, that thing dries pretty quickly. So I might go for another TR solo session today. But um, yeah, anyways, back to granite climbing in Squamish. Um, yeah, I guess we can talk about the room service project because I think that one's like a really good example um of, i mean even just andy talking about it there made some really good points about the climbing here funny enough when we were talking about tim clifford and just his idea of what squamish was like for the future of hard climbing we were actually in the room and he was like we were kind of having a conversation about the room climbing and the style there and like we were mentioning that project too um but okay i guess like to paint a picture really quickly for those that don't know like Room service is um, a boulder or the room boulder sits like right below Dreamcatcher. That's where like the infamous room project was held for like a very long time until Tim Clifford like did a start from what's now like one move in um, called it Singularity, which is like still one of the hardest boulder problems and like hardest moves in the legendary. world, probably very legendary, elusive boulder. And it didn't see a repeat until Nolly did it. And then I think after he did it, he went back the next day and did it again from like the proper like project start, which was always to start like matched on this jug. Um, so the singularity's there. And then Lucas did that too, which was really sick. But beside it is this other like very overhung prow that kind of like points at Dreamcatcher. It's maybe like honestly, probably like 45 degrees, maybe 50 in a couple positions, it feels like. It kind of like steepens and then like tapers off a bit um but yeah it's just like this big compression line um i remember talking with my friend here jeremy who's been living here for a long time and he was telling me like maybe back in the early 2000s before like Dreamcatcher was bolted chris and him were kind of like in there looking at the boulder and looking at that lowest line um and being like wow there could be a project here it looks really hard but there could be a line here it's kind of one of those things where you see in granite like it just kind of forms with these lines and you're like wow like that's that can be something it's just really hard to move between all that um but yeah to speak to the climbing style rather that's a boulder that 
is very unlike many other hard things I've done um, or tried. Like many other things feel really in your fingers um, when you're doing like hard climbing. It's like if I think about going to climb V16 anywhere else in the world, I'd probably have to go and hangboard realistically and like I'd hate to do that. But it's like kind of just the the fact of it um, because that's what hard climbing in like most places distills down to is like the ability to do a couple like very hard moves or like very sustained moves that may be like very in your fingers or very in your core and body tension. Um, but boulders here and particularly room service really come down to like hip position, body position, not to say that like other hard climbing doesn't, but it's, I think a different type of body position. It's less so like put your foot on this and like move and like shift that way. It's like about learning how to get the right opposition between your feet. And like, if you're doing like a move to the left with like your left hand, then you need to make sure that your right hand and like left foot are creating opposition in the same way that you can like hold tension on like a vertical plane. And then there's like a right foot maybe pushing to move you left so you can move left and like have to move your body less, but you can like control that. And so that's a different sort of like try hard than going to a boulder I did here recently, like sword in the stone, like that boulder is much more like kind of crank and like hold small things. So for room service, I think a lot of the difficulty comes from um, being able to do very specific moves in a row. And it just becomes like a little bit of a numbers game at that point. If you think about like, moves that become hard to do that aren't really hard. You maybe just have like a lower odd of doing them. And so to do like, for me, I counted it up the other day when I was trying, I think like my sequence is 18 hand moves and there's like not really a rest. And it kind of just is like V13 boulder into a really hard V14. Um, and every move is precise. So it's like, if you get through to the stand start and your heel is a little bit wrong and you don't pull into the wall at the hip in the right way, you're just like not going to do the move or you're going to do the move and you're going to be set up really poorly. You're going to have to use way more energy to do the next move. And then you're not going to have enough to do the end because it's so limit for you. It's kind of one of those situations like that, where you have to learn to be as like efficient and precise in every position. And the difficulty then kind of comes from the execution rather than like the movements itself. So actually, first, I just want to paint how beautiful this place is, again, where you have this super steep, beautiful, big prow, this boulder, and right next to it is the singularity, which is more vertical and thin. Like, it's just interesting Not that they're really. both hard, like, world-class blocks that are different. Yeah, that one's steep. It's singularity? Yeah, yeah. So, like, is it really? the thing is, it is it, like, okay. I'm just the wall, like, it doesn't look it. in yeah. the first, like, bottom feet. People, like, kind of get confused about this. But if you look from the side, mm. if you look at, like, the plane that your hips are moving along and, like, the angle that your body is on between the feet and the holds the whole climb, it's like 40 degrees, maybe. It still feels like quite steep. You're, like, oh, wow. really leaning back on the movements because you can't really get your. The wall just like kicks back at the top holds. It kind of scoops. So it's this weird feeling. Well, you can, you can tell I never actually tried it. <laughs> I just, I just oogled it and then recently, uh, you know, watched, uh, Lucas doing it. And I guess from that angle, it's not as clear, but still just so cool that there's this block that just has extremely hard stuff on it, all pointing, uh, you know, you, 
there's Dreamcatcher is just climbs right over it. And then there's even some like incredibly hard sport climbs right next there. But okay, I I, I don't want to get deeper into that. I wanna um I, I wanna talk about that idea of these low percentages stacking over and over and over again. And Tim uh Tim Kang, my esteemed co-host, couldn't be here today. I think he's flying to DC to support the access fund at some so he's he's doing good work for the community. But I know something he would want to talk about here is this idea that shouldn't really hard climbing be hard to reproduce? And his example was uh, he has a friend working on Return of the Sleepwalker and how he just has sleepwalker on lock. Mm-hmm. Like he can just do sleepwalk. I think he's done it like 30 times or something, but he, you know, he has yet to, to link it from the bottom, but it just bothered Tim from a grade standpoint that something could be, even if you take a downgrade and call it V15, just that it could be done on command versus something that is this ephemeral moment where everything comes together and it's limit hard. Like, I don't know. I just think it's like an interesting conversation when it comes to what is hard climbing. And maybe we can tie this into that comment you made about talking with Tim Clifford, the, the guy who FA'd the singularity or one movement, whatever you want to call it, and, and his comment about Squamish and hard climbing. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll speak to the Tim point there because I, I think that's a really interesting question. Um, I think the first thing I, I think of is um, maybe from more of like a, a mental side, I think it really comes down to what your relationship with that boulder problem is. Um, like with room service in particular, I probably spent like 20 days or more with Andy in there the past year. And a lot of those days I was trying like the middle start that Nolly did to room service. And, you know, a lot of the time I would be there like projecting and like trying the cruxes and just like not able to do it and having this projecting relationship with it where I saw it as hard climbing and was seeking this experience where everything came together um, and also trying to learn from it and try and figure out what I need to do and then execute it to get to that point. But being there with Andy, Andy is on the opposite end. um, And I guess same deal with like, you know, Nate just like firing sleepwalker a million times in a row. It's kind of the same deal where their relationship with the boulder is very different. They seek it from, a level of understanding and mastery rather than a place of execution and like a pursuit of trying hard. It's rather just um, like a demonstration of understanding and like knowledge of the boulder and how to execute rather than trying to execute. And so Andy can like very often just run a lap on the middle start, which is like one of the harder boulder problems here. And he does it very casually, but it's not anything to him just because he knows it very well. It feels very casual. He can do the moves well. And his strength is at a point where like he's above it so he can execute it well. Um, so maybe it's different where it's like, if it's at your limit, it shouldn't be like too repeatable. But I'd almost argue like the style of climbing here, um, when I'm like doing boulders, I typically can go back like shortly after and get really close to doing them again. Or like in my sessions prior, I have like, a handful of tries from like falling off the last move or two maybe um, and getting really close and doing like a lot of climbing. But I think all that really speaks to is it's maybe like not at your actual limit per se, like you're kind of able to understand, but maybe limit climbing is something where you have to do everything perfectly. And it's like very hard to repeat. Um, but 
yeah, then when I like leave those boulder problems and I come back to them and I haven't climbed on them in a while, like they feel pretty hard again, but it's because I maybe don't have that understanding. I think when you're trying something a lot, it's very easy to just like have the muscle memory and like, I mean, it's just like how your brain, I watched this like little Chris Sharma interview with Lynn Hill recently. And there's this like funny little clip where he's like, yeah, you like go up to your project and you like, you know, do the move for the first time and your brain builds synapses and then you go home and you rest and you build more brain and you go back and you can do the move and it feels easy. And like, it sounded like really stupid and like fried at the time in the video, but I was like, well, he actually like is kind of right. That's how like <laughs> movement works. And that's how you understand. It's just like, you know, when Andy and I go out and we're on room service, like 40 days a season or a year, it's like very different for someone that's going and projecting it like a handful of times. And it's like, Oh, like, you know, maybe I don't know the movements as well. Or like, they have to try harder to do the moves for, for us. It's like a matter of like, okay, if I get the position right, I can do the move. And then I just need to do the next move and like, keep going. That's really interesting. It makes me think of that comment that you made about not about Nolly, but what what was that video? You got to oh, remind me. Yeah. You just got to repeat because it, it was too good about Nolly. And yeah. yeah, yeah. What was that? So, um, there's like not really footage of Nolly doing the middle start of room service on the internet. And I never really knew why. And then, um, I like friend Paul Nadler was in town for the summer and uh, we were hanging out, having dinner. And he like mentioned he had a video from when Penali did it and he like pulls his laptop out and shows me the video and he like tops out and gets to the end. And Nolly is just like, motherfucking same beta as the last boulder, fucking Squamish beta. Just don't try hard. <laughs> and like he comes down and he's still freaking out and he's like, yeah, you just like, don't try hard. You just do it. Like, don't try hard. And like keeps freaking out because he just like had this freak moment, I guess, where he just like did the boulder and it feels like you just flow up it. And a lot of like the limit climbing kind of feels like that here where you just like do every position. And I don't know if maybe it's because you're like, you know, the movement so well that when you like do each movement, they feel very familiar. But I find you have this feeling when you top out a lot of boulders here where it's just like, wow, that was like the perfect flow. Um, and then on top of that, I think the rock, the conditions, the climbing style and movement, all of those things demand different levels of um, precision, maybe. And like with weather, you need weather to be right to climb at your limits. So having all of those factors line up make for an, like a very surreal experience when it does come together. Because I think this whole time you're building it up in your head, at least for myself, like I'm constantly visualizing and trying to think about doing these boulder problems. And eventually I get to like the point in my head where I can do them. And when I do do them, it's kind of just like, whoa, like, like that's actually real. Like I just did that kind of thing and it just came together, but it's hard to have it come together, but it's possible. But from like a logical standpoint, it makes sense when I look at like when I do the hardest things, like the weather was really good that day. My skin was really good. I'd been trying the moves and like knew it well. And um, mentally I was like prepared. So having all those things come together, I think it's very different than like being here on a trip and being like, Oh, I want to like do this boulder at this grade. It's just like different. And I think being able to have the opportunity to spend, you know, like years living here um, and just like climbing and working 
allows me to have those experiences where I can spend a lot of days and figure out what the optimal conditions are and like what the optimal movement and skin and like all these other factors are. And then it's a game of trying to make everything line up so that I can like try my hardest and try and make it like perfect. I remember you saying that, and we'll get into this a little bit more later when we talk about you traveling in that summer Mm -hmm. that you had in Colorado, but just that the experiences in Squamish were so rewarding when you could unpack all of these, you know, different nuances. And then you had these moments where it came together and it felt easy, but you know, that Nale quote, actually, first of all, I just want to say Nale is just an incredible climber. And I think this shows why he's so good is that he has had success everywhere. And he's kind of thought of as to be this technical master, but of course he's brutally strong as well. And it's just kind of cool, you know, hearing about him going and having success in Squamish, but God, it really like it, it messes with my mind that comment about not trying hard. And I, I, I want to like tease out this nuance because dude, I, I would say Ethan, that what I think of as one of my superpowers slash, maybe it's not a superpower. Maybe it's a hindrance is that I know how to try really hard. Like I know how to like really bear down or show up in that moment. And maybe this is one of the reasons why I struggled in Squamish, but maybe it's also something that uh, I need to learn more about in climbing and just, you know, I know that you set the stage where you said, oh, you know, the conditions will be good. And I've been trying this move, but do you have any deeper insight into what that quality feels like when you quote unquote, don't try hard. Cause I mean, physically you are still trying hard, but like, there's something to tease out there that I think is really fascinating. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think like that kind of just sparked off a recent memory from this fall. Um, I've been trying this newer boulder that got put up this year, the Meg. And, um, yeah, it's like this really cool line, very like blank arret, like in terms of what we were talking about earlier with rock, It's like a very good example. There's not exactly holds, but rather like a very, very large feature that you climb and um, it's very blank and kind of tall too. But um, the climbing style of it is like extremely precise and frictiony and your hips have to be in like the exact spot. The moves are like pretty hard to execute. You have like four hard hand moves and then you're into maybe like a V7 outro that's just kind of like tall and frictiony and committing. Um, But yeah, that boulder was one that like messed with my head for a whole multitude of reasons that we don't have to get into. But um, yeah, in the end, um, what came together no was yeah, no comment. Um, yeah, what came together was um, I think having that moment of not trying hard is maybe not this like active like oh I don't try mindset, but. Um, I understood that from like a point of presence rather and a lesson to like be present and like a hint at trying to be more present. Um, I just like read this whole book this fall on like some Zen mindset stuff um, and like trying to just work on being more present in different facets of life. But it's been helping a lot with climbing and having been like reading that book at the time and then going to the Meg. Um, I was there with my friends Tristan and Tim and it was kind of just like, a relatively average day in terms of conditions. Um, it wasn't rather good. It wasn't bad. It was kind of just like still and cool and humid. Not exactly like the best day, but for some reason I had my skin like super dry that week, knowing it would be humid. 
and it just like happened to line up. My skin felt good. Um, and then we kind of like tried the top on a rope first. I did the top first try that day and I was like, okay. And I was never really like approaching any of that from this point of like, I've got to try hard right now. It's kind of just like be present and be open to the experience and see what can happen. Knowing that I've like put all the effort in leading up to this to a moment of execution. And now I must be like open and seek that moment. I always find trying to put pressure on the moment and make it come usually makes it like a little bit harder to attain for myself. So I try and rather just like let it happen in a way. Um, and then I pulled on one move in cause I couldn't quite do the first move in the session. And I did it from a move in through the hard section and was like, wow, that felt quite effortless in a way. Um, I guess to clarify, it's like an extremely technical boulder. It's physically not too hard, but like technically it's quite hard to execute. And it's probably like technically one of the harder boulders in the V14 range here. Um, but when you do it, it feels like magic in a way. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but um, it becomes hard to like get there because you try it like 50 times and like, you know, maybe only twice you're able to do it. And you're like, wow, those two times it felt perfect. And like, all I did was put my hip like five centimeters more to the left and perch a little more. Like it's so subtle, but it worked. Um, anyways, like the main thing that it came down to is I kind of like was sitting around and um, yeah, Tim Doyle was just like, dude, I think you can just like do the boulder now. And I was like, looked at him and I was like, fuck, like, he's right. Like <laughs> I was at this point with it where I kind of had to face like this whole journey I had with it and um, kind of just like allow it to end in a way and be open to the end of the process and, and moving on in um, many ways with that boulder problem and that journey. But um, yeah, Tim's words kind of just like stuck with me. And I remember like walking up to the boulder and like taking a few deep breaths to myself and just thinking like one move at a time just one move at a time. And I pulled on and I did the first move. I readjusted and got the hold good. And I, I've just blacked out. I don't really remember the rest, but it was kind of one of those things where I like did each move, I guess. Um, I remember like, I think the only part I do remember was like being kind of like on the outro section and like a little bit scared and just hearing their voices, like kind of calming me down and, um, I had to change my sequence last minute because I was pretty pumped, but yeah, it worked out and I was like standing on top and it was just one of those things where like the flow totally overtook me and it was like total muscle memory and it felt like absolutely passive in a way where I didn't have to try hard consciously. I just let it happen, right? Like I just pulled on and I, I don't really know how to describe, but my, my body was able to execute and my mind knew what to do. And like, I was able to feel those positions and just like continue to move. Um, and also like be able to react in like a position where things are kind of dicey, like being pretty high up, having like no chalk on a humid day and being a little freaked and then being like, fuck, I can't do this sequence right now. Cause I'm too pumped and having to like change it a bit, learning to deal with all that. And like, I think some of that came in my preparation, like doing the top a couple different ways and like learning some different ways rather than like doing it. Like I can do all these moves and now I need to try hard to do the moves. It's like, what are the options that I can seek? What feels good? Um, and like also being able to be in a position where I'm like, this doesn't feel good right now. And like my body already knows what I need to do if shit goes wrong. Like 
I have a backup plan in a way. Like I don't need to think about this. I can just execute still. And so I think that's where that whole like Squamish beta, like don't try hard comes from. I think it's rather just like um, a lesson in how to climb hard here. Like set your, okay. Like the, I followed side note, like there's this Instagram account called curse climbing. And um, I was like talking with them a little bit and just like talking about kind of the similar topic from, learning from the rock and whatnot and like learning how to try. And uh, he made this really cool point. There's like this trad climber in the UK, Franco Cookson, I think. And he was like, Franco said like, um, you know, you must like approach the rock from a place of inferiority in hopes that at best it will bestow its wisdom upon you. Um, And I think approaching like very hard technical boulder problems here that are at your limit. If you take that approach you can learn to slow down a little bit take many sessions to learn explore different options feel what's right for your body learn how the skin works with the boulder problem learn what conditions are right for it set yourself up for success and like try many different things and see what works and then when you know what works you'll be prepared enough to go to the boulder having learned everything from it and you'll be from a place of you know execution like where Nate is with the boulder like sleepwalker and he is with like room service where they can just simply execute. And it's rather not a moment of like, God, I need everything ready. And I need to be like ready to try hard. It's just like, I need to show up and just simply do it and like pull on and take it one move at a time. And it's weird to think about because so many people put like hard climbing on a pedestal, but like really it can simply be distilled down to that. Like you just show up sometimes. And if you put the effort in, you can just like, make it work. And that's very different for me than like being on a trip and having limited time. This is obviously coming from like when you're living in an area where climbing is around you and you can seek it from this approach. And like, I think that's the best way. And I think the granite and the hard climbing here just happens to demand that like, there's no room for error unless you're like not climbing at your limit and you're like way stronger than the boulders. (laughs) I know that's like a lot to unpack and I tend to ramble, but, um, I think that's like definitely the best way to No, dude. I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking, uh, you're, you're definitely, uh, spitting some deep wisdom that normally I would think I would get from someone like Tim Doyle, uh, who, by the way, I didn't even know he really exists. I thought he was just this, uh, forest fairy who showed up, did some yoga, climbed your project and then like disappeared into the woods and just, you know, I didn't even know he really existed. I, I've only kind of caught glimpses of him, but, uh, yeah, no, he's, uh, dude, he's very real. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, Tim's sweet. I'll, I'll give a shout out to him. I don't know if he'll ever listen to this, but, um, I know he doesn't like the recognition, but, uh, he's been like one of the few people in my time here along with like people. Like all the names you hear about here, really, like Ben Harnden, Tim, Jeremy, like all the people and from that generation, they've been like really great mentors to me and have taught me a lot and helped me understand the climbing here. Um, And I think having people like that to kind of pass things along has been really important in this kind of like generation new wave of Squamish to say, you know. Um, But yeah, these people are like, (laughs) they are real and they're very good climbers and they're, they just have very, not peaceful lives, but they're just simple. Like they like to keep to themselves and rock climbing is a thing that they love to do. And they're very good at. Very good at Very, very good at <laughs> Those guys are very good at rock climbing. And the dude, uh, yeah, again, I love that, that wisdom. I'm going to ask you uh, to, to share that 
Zen book that you're talking about. I, I like oh, Zen yeah. and the um, uh, and the art of archery. I think is what it was called. Um, I think it's uh, called At Peace in the Muddy Waters. I'm forgetting. I gotta find it. But I'm like really bad with names okay. Well, and remembering we'll, stuff. But it, yeah, we'll find it. We'll link it or yeah, something. we'll snag it for the show notes. But my, my hands were definitely sweating. Uh, you know, just thinking about those kind of flow moments that really are super super special when you're climbing. I just you know, it's it, hearing you describe the Meg, and you know that was definitely a question that a lot of people wanted to hear about the Meg. Maybe for other reasons, but we won't go into that. Yeah. But that was just it was great hearing how great a boulder it was for you, and it's funny how. You know, I, you're a little younger than me, and uh, maybe you'll collect a lot more of those experiences. But those moments that, in the way you described it, actually will really stick with you in that special way. Those times where maybe, yeah, the top you end up doing it a little differently, like things didn't go quite as expected, but then somehow you found that journey through in a beautiful way. And uh, so, just congrats, man. Love hearing that. And then I'm going to I'm going to ask you a question on on figuring out something like this, that may be a little tricky to do a podcast, but okay. So you're talking about the technical difficulty and the hips being a couple inches to the left. And, and I guess my question is how do you go about figuring out beta and technical uh, positions when they're so subtle? And and I'm going to contrast this with something like on, you know, a, a more basic, pull and crimp line, like in Bishop, where it's not that there's not beta and it's not that there's not subtleties, but to me, it's almost easier to understand, like, I'm going to try grabbing this crystal with my index instead of my middle, or I'm going to try like this foot and just, you know, how do you understand what to tweak next when you're talking about these very technical things? Like where where does, how do you decide what your next option might be? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, the first thing I'll, I'll say, I think even with like very straightforward, like crimp ladder boulders, even there, I think a lot of people can get away with doing them easily because their strength is at a level where it's not max and they can use the strength to compensate for like lack of body control. But even like, if you think about like you're on a left-hand crimp and you jump to a right-hand one and like your feet are going to cut, there are things you can do with like thinking about the amount of speed that you hit that hold with where your legs are are they to the left when you jump do you like keep your feet low and like as you jump do you flag and like move your body into a position or do you hit that hold with a lot of force so you can then pull up into it because the bottom hold is flat like there are things you can think about still but um i think that style of climbing like allows for like a larger margin of error but yeah the granite climbing here tends to be a little precise um so I think one of the things that had like a really big impact on me um, and like my understanding in the climbing here was being here last fall and climbing a bunch with like um, Andy, Katie and Keenan and Lucas, we kind of had this like one, two month stint where like everyone was kind of around every now and then. And we got a bunch of sessions in together on stuff um, and it was really fun, but being able to climb all together on projects like it's not something I do often actually with people here. Typically I'm like going out by myself or with like one other friend to go try something. But um, yeah, climbing with like Keenan and Katie, especially they have this ability to just try a lot of options and just see what works and be very receptive to how they work and have like a level of understanding. 
Um, it was like a trade I tried learning like very early on in climbing in the gym, but like just a simple practice of like every time you fall off the wall, ask yourself why and like what you could have done better and like what feeling are you trying to get out of that position and movement to like, like, is it a point of balance? Is it a point of like power and like precision um, and have that understanding with it and then try and think about like what you need to get there and then try a bunch of things to figure out what those things are. Um, I like heard Keenan talk about this on like um, the careless talk podcast. And I know we've talked about it a little bit together, but like the idea of skateboarding and like learning tricks and skateboarding is almost somewhat similar to projecting in ways um, like, okay, I'm going to do X, but how do I do X? Like learning, you know, how hard you pop, or like how you kick and like, where you move your foot across the board and all these things kind of come together. They're very subtle things that then create a large end result and a large impact in the way I like to think about breaking one movement down into as many different possibilities as possible, and then trying to optimize all of those possibilities to create a larger impact in the end. Because when you can make one move feel better, when you optimize like every move, then the whole boulder becomes like absolutely optimized and you can climb at your limit with like optimized conditions and skin. So it kind of just makes sense from that standpoint. So to gain that level of understanding, you kind of need to try like all the options. So it's like, okay, if this crystal doesn't feel right, I can tell because it's pushing my hip like too far up. And so if I want to move my hip a little bit lower, like maybe I need to find a lower foot or a foot that pushes in a different direction to move my hip in a different way. And then you kind of have to think about things from like a different position where you're like, okay, how am I going to climb into this? How am I going to move through these positions? Like is like on room service, for example, there's this little break I get where I like set up in a bicycle and like move my left foot all the way over so I can bike to then like pat my hand on my pant and get a little bit of chalk before doing the 14. And it's like a whole nother foot move that I need to do. But does that then make up for like, you know, getting a little bit of chalk back and like making it work. So it's like trying all these different processes, understanding how it feels, and then also being receptive to like what the conditions are like that day and how that may play a feeling into that. But in the end, you eventually start to distill things down to like what feels good and what feels natural and right. And like the positions that you can try hard in, or rather like you just understand the positions that the boulder requires you to execute and then you can try and get into them and like learn how to. Um, so I think it's just like really a style thing, but dude, you do need to dude, seek that... it from that, like kind of try all options, like process of elimination thing. Like just because you can do a move one way doesn't mean you should immediately commit to doing it that way. Like maybe if you want to like do some links or something, sure. But um, like, try and figure it out and like completely optimize it i think it's with granite it's different because like all the feet are like equally shit so often you can like get your flashlight out and like shine it and like look for a shadow and be like oh i found a crystal like fuck yeah and like i can smear a little bit there and like even things with shoes it's like do i wear my mirror do i wear my solution like what like what do i do like where do I stand? Like this shoe I can do this with, but then I need like this shoe to do this move with. So like that wouldn't work like all these little things. So it's like, I don't know. It's like almost opening a lock, like a combination lock. Like you have to move so many things in the right position for it to be right. And then it opens. And when it opens, it's like, Oh, obviously like you just needed the numbers to be in the right position. Jeez, man. 
that was that was freaking beautiful, Ethan. That was really, really, really interesting. And uh, just in case people didn't catch those names of that crew, it's, it seems to be kind of like the anti-grav crew. A uh, really big plus one to that Keenan Takahashi podcast with on the Careless Talk podcast. I really like that one. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, you're talking about Andy Lamb, Katie Lamb, Lucas Uchida, you uh, and Keenan Takahashi, all just these masters of of climbing and hearing you break that down and embracing that openness it's it's interesting because it just well first of all it just makes me feel like a caveman who's just like i'm just gonna grab this hold i'm gonna try really hard i'm not totally like that but it just it, you know it, there's levels to it right and uh just to to pick on this like a, a little bit more that i think is or, or this may not even be a question just kind of me repeating back to you and making sure i understand is when you look at a move in some ways there, you said this, like there's a almost an infinite variety of ways you can do it. And it's always really tempting to me to think about moves. Like uh, people thought I was a really good dynamic climber. They're like, Josh, like you're really good at jumping and latching. But what they didn't understand is how much precision there was into where you jump and latch. Like where do you want your body to be? Are you sagging out first? And just all these little details. But this is where I find it really interesting is when you're talking about these super technical boulders, it just keeps going deeper. And and it's hard for me to sometimes understand if I actually felt better by shifting my hips two inches to the left or choosing a different foothold. You know, sometimes it's not as clear to me, like, oh, did that really work? And then on top of that, what I find really hard to explain to people is that people often just won't see all the options. Like you're saying, like there's all these options available, but like for that jump move, I was just talking about people would never think like, Oh, maybe I should sag out first, but why, why would you sag out? That's going to hurt your distance. And it's like, well, you're going to swing out less or vice versa. You need to really suck in close to the wall. Cause it'll give you that extra distance and that holds so good. You can swing. And so you know, again, I don't know if there's a question here, but I think it's interesting that you learn some of this stuff from, People like Keenan and Katie and, and Andy, who they really can see maybe options that may be invisible to others. Although it really makes me also want to know, like, how do these people, and, and you're one of them, how do you even see new options that other people don't? And I think that's where those guys like Tim Doyle, Tim Cliff, all, all those people, they were really on the forefront of exploring new movements in a way that maybe... Uh, you know, that that's what makes someone cutting edge. And, and that's why I think it's cool. What you're doing there is learning, learning the subtlety, seeing things no one else has seen before. Yeah. Um, I think you're like still hitting the same point. Um, I think we're like in agreement, which is nice, but to add to it, um, I think one thing like to answer the question of like, how do you see those things and how do you learn about it? Like um, for me, I like, to think you can't see something if you don't know it's there or like you can't, you know, like if, if you don't believe in something, you're not going to see it. For example, like if you don't know what an inside flag is, you're not going to think the inside flag, like that'd be pretty sick. If you did, and you'd be like, wow, that worked. You'd learn something, but to actively like learn with climbing movement, I think you need to actively be trying and like almost train that ability to be receptive to movement and like what feels balanced and what feels right um so for myself like i don't really train i climb on a board like the bouldering co-op downtown which is pretty fun just like 
a moon board and a bunch of spray walls and like just like the whole OG crew in there and a bunch of us and we just go in and like climb on the boards but um when i'm in there often some days i'm just like really bored and i don't want to try hard and i'll kind of just like climb about on the board with like different intentions of of movement pattern whether it be like kind of recreating a sequence for a boulder problem and trying to like feel the same um the same feelings and like positions that I would feel on that project and try and just like learn and be comfortable with them and like practice them or whether it's like, okay, let me think about doing something different. Like how do I approach this move? And like, maybe I just like give myself open feet here and I like try and think about like all the foot options in this section of wall that I can use to then make this move work. And I have to use these handholds, but like, what am I going to do with my feet to make it work? And, or for myself, like, on the board a lot i just like climb um i don't match holds on the board and i like do a lot of like hand foot tracking so it's a lot of like high stepping and like hand foot matching but not hand matching um so that style of climbing forces me to try and like think about climbing in a different way and then also giving myself the ability to then have like no restraints and just think about climbing creatively just kind of like lets you explore and i think as you explore you just have a greater understanding of that thing um the thing that really comes to mind is like this Dave Graham interview from the early 2000s with Udo Newman in Sayus, I guess. And he's like outside his van and Udo's asking him about trying biography, I guess. And like what it's like climbing with Chris and Danny and like all these really strong climbers. And he's kind of going on just talking about how strong they are compared to him physically. And he's like, oh, I can't even do like a fucking one arm. Like, you know, I could barely do one. And like Chris can do like five and Danny can do 10 or whatever. But I can't do shit. And he goes on and like kind of just talks about like just climbing, climbing to learn how to climb and get better at climbing um, rather than training to get strong for climbing and then climbing harder. Uh, he approached, I think the thing he says that always stuck was like, you know, you look at like ballerinas, you don't see ballerinas in the gym lifting and like curling and getting their core strong to go and be better at ballet. They just go and do ballet all the time and they get better at ballet and they get stronger and they like learn and climbing is that same way. So I think as long as you approach things with this learning mindset and you're constantly thinking about it and you're not just going out and being like, fuck, I can't do the move. Like I have to go and get, I see so many people that do it and it's like my biggest pet peeve. It's just like people that really don't believe in themselves and like, don't try and explore how they can use their strength and like how to apply it. And they're simply just like, I'm not strong enough. And they just like, the minute they think that it's like, boom, like closed off. I'm not even going to try and think about movement kind of thing. Um, so I think that's just like the tip for approaching hard climbing. It's just like, think about it and like try and understand and like, don't think about what other people do. And like, don't try and do what other people do, but rather like look at how other people climb and watch how other people climb and see their process and learn from it and then see what you can apply. Like try it yourself and see how it works for you. And if it works well, or if there's certain things that do and certain things that don't, then like be receptive to that and like just learn how you climb and like what works for the boulder and what works for you. And also like learn how to learn. Ah, oh, dude, I, 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 I love, yeah, learn how to learn. Yeah. Love that one. I love the Dave Graham and Chris Sharma kind of juxtaposition. But the funny thing is, is that 
Chris Sharma actually just, he was strong from the very beginning. I remember stories of him doing one-arm pull-ups when he was 14, just no training. He's just out there doing his own thing. And and while we called Dave Graham the wizard, which I don't know if you saw that recent V16 he put up yeah. with all those knee bars, so but it was just sick. amazing that he deconstructed that, like just yeah. so sick. Uh, but then what's interesting is that I remember, so I, I started climbing kind of when Chris Sharma was just really hitting the scene. And I was probably like nine years old or eight years old. And he was probably like 14 or something. And what's interesting is that he actually embodied what you're talking about, where he was really open to learning. And what he did was he had a very unique style of this dynamic movement, of this jumping to things, uh, you know, instead of the style that came before him of always three points on, which was like the very front style uh, sport climbing. And it's funny because you know, I, I totally hear you. Um, I understand Dave Graham contrasting himself with Chris Sharma and that physicality. Although I would still argue that Dave Graham is brutally strong, just in a different way. That's not quite as, uh, you know, as show off. He is doing a one arm pull up, uh, but it, 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 he's, they all still embody that openness and that learning that, you know, that you're really speaking to there. And so I, I do want to, uh, you know, we can put a pin in that, but I also just want to play devil's advocate because I, we push a lot on here about that mentality, that mindset, that learning, that climbing begets more climbing and you don't need to go into the weight room and, and squat a bunch so that you're prepared to go climbing. Uh, you know, cause that just seems ridiculous to me, but that's kind of a trend. But so I do want to ask you, you know, do you ever feel like you are too weak or how do you, how would you know if it was time to spend time on the hangboard and do those guys that you looked up to from that previous generation around, you know, the Tims, uh, the, 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 the famous Tims of Squamish, you know, do they ever train or like, you know, are you, cause I don't, you know, are you saying you should never get on the hangboard? You should never do a pull up or, uh, you know, can you provide some nuance there? Yeah, sure. I think the main thing is just about knowing, yourself as a climber knowing what's good for you based off like past experiences and and where you're at with climbing um i think training is definitely a really good way to get strong like no doubt and or like just maintain a good base fitness as you get older prevent injury like there's no doubt that that can help with a lot of things in your climbing that being said being 21 having been climbing for like six years, I still feel like I'm pretty fresh in the game. I clearly got lucky with the genetics card and like I have done training and to be honest for myself, I find it boring. Um, and where I've been at lately with like my Squamish climbing journey is just to not really care about the grades, but rather learning that grades have become just a part of, um, what create like one of the factors that create like a great climbing and bouldering experience for myself. So it's not rather that like I'm in a pursuit of the grade, but the grade obviously creates the experience that I'm in pursuit of. Um, like it's difficult for me. And so it'll create all these experiences and situations and I have to spend a lot of time. And then I get to go to a lot of different places and see different environments and all that. Um, but yeah, mainly like, I just, I'm not engaged by it. I would rather like almost just climb in the gym for fun or like go out to a boulder that's maybe not limit. Like, I guess for me, like the singularity has been a project of mine for 
a very long time now. Like I think I'm in and around 50 days on it, which is absurd. Like what am I doing kind of thing? Um, wow, but it's rather just like, I enjoy going in there. It's the one spot that's dry, but I go in there a lot. Um, do I feel strong enough? It's always hard to know because I've had a lot of times where I, I do go in there. Do I think hangboarding would rather help me with that boulder? Maybe, but probably not because I've had a lot of like a lot of degression that's almost helped where I've been like, oh, I should be pulling less on this boulder problem. Like I should be using my strength in a different way rather than pulling and trying to grip the hold. I should be like putting my body through the hold. Um, and so I don't know, maybe the style of climbing is different. I think if I was anywhere else in Squamish, I'd probably be doing some type of training, but just given like my life circumstances right now, um, and still being able to climb outside like relatively frequently and have projects that like stay dry that I'm psyched on just means that I can like go out and kind of like climb on my projects as my training in a way. Um, like if you think about what creates growth in climbing, it might be like trying at that, like, you know, 80, 90% limit. And I think a lot of the time when I'm going out projecting, I'm kind of doing that. And then I have my days, which are like lower capacity, but maybe it's a little bit more fun. Yeah. I, I think what really got me there, what you're saying around the lines of knowing yourself, right? Like that, that's kind of the, the, the crux there or, or the key component. And I, I think what is tricky for me with that advice is that you always think you know yourself and then you find out you don't. And my example is, was going to Squamish and I was physically very strong and, and me and my friends who I was up there with, they were actually also, we were all in really good shape. And I think I told you, we, we went up, had high expectations. Yes, the conditions weren't good, but then we were climbing with Mike Foley, another uh, very good Squamish climber. And he was doing the climbs we wanted to do right in front of our faces with ease. And so it was, yes, we could have blamed conditions, but the truth was there was something we were missing and something we weren't understanding. And I would say I probably haven't gotten any stronger than I was then, but I've climbed a lot harder since then. And it just shows you that what you're low hanging fruit is what you're, what you're missing is sometimes not as obvious as you might think. And it's why, you know, me and Tim often think about trying to figure out some kind of assessment for climbers, you know, just in this coaching world, it's like, how can you like lattice has, uh, they give you a hangboard protocol and make you do some push-ups or sit-ups or something. And I'm not saying that that has no value. Like, you know, they do a, a great job with what they do, but it, it just doesn't like, had I done that, at that time, they would have been like, Josh, you are strong. You go out and you go crush. And I would go to Squamish. I'm like, Lattice, you guys told me that I could do no wrong. I, I should be crushing here. And I, I wasn't. So just kind of uh, enjoy hearing that. And also, uh, it's it's. I, I think my the, the thing I want to add to that is that you have to be careful about really understanding where your weaknesses are. J just like that openness you have to be to climbs that hey, maybe there's a bunch of different ways to do this. When you think about your weaknesses, perhaps there's weaknesses that you can't even see and traveling, exposing yourself to different experiences, could be sport climbing, uh, you know, could be trad climbing or you know, seeing other people who are experienced and having them chime in uh, as to what you may think or, or what, what you may be missing in your, in your climbing. So I just, I really like that, man. I thought that was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's uh, then let's, 
showcase how you took that Squamish experience and that style into a different area, which was Colorado. And and you and Lucas, uh, visit, I think you probably went and saw Katie and Keenan out in Colorado this past summer. And uh, you guys freaking smashed. And th- this is kind of the thing that we've been leading up to because the the, the idea here was, is Squamish different? How is it different? But then the meta idea behind that is, does it prepare you to be a better climber than perhaps uh, different areas? And I think that that's kind of what I'm trying to tease out here. And so seeing your guys's success on your trip to Colorado, I feel like it was a resounding yes. And the the the, the joke there was, if you climb V15 in Colorado, can you go and do the singularity of V15? Uh, and, you know, uh, I guess I'll put that over to you and, and then ask you the vice versa, you know, like if you climb a grade in, in Squamish, can you then more reliably do it in Colorado? And yeah, maybe you can just share that experience you, you and Lucas had, uh, going out to Colorado this past summer. Yeah, totally. Um, well, Colorado for myself was like a very interesting time. Um, it was like kind of middle summer and, Things were pretty hectic in town and I definitely needed a break. So it was nice to like get away and go somewhere different. And Colorado is kind of like one of those places that I've watched videos of for as long as I've been climbing. And, you know, you know, a lot of the Boulder names and like famous areas and you're both pretty psyched. Um, So yeah, we did see Kenny and Katie. They like put us up for the time that we were down there, which was sweet. Um, And we just got to go out with them and, and see the areas mainly climbed at like Lincoln Lake. Um, did a day uh, lower in the park, Wild Basin, and I guess some other areas, kind of forgetting now. But um, yeah, that trip was definitely different. That was like, you know, my first time kind of climbing outside of Squamish since I moved here. Um, and yeah, going there, I definitely had expectations, which was a bad idea. I think I really like just moving forward, unless it's a different trip, I really shouldn't go into things with like many expectations as to like what I want to try or like do really just like kind of keep with that theme of being open to an experience and just like seeing what happens and kind of go with it. I've at least noticed that's kind of like where I can have the most fun and like unexpected things happen. And like, that's cool. Um, but yeah, Colorado is definitely different. Um, I didn't have the best time. I think Lucas, can speak to his time a little bit more, but for me in terms of climbing, it was different. Like, I think I did like a handful of boulder problems. Um, I wasn't there for that long. It was like a little under two weeks and like, um, yeah, getting used to elevation definitely is hard. That's like not a factor here or the hiking. The hiking's like not at all a factor here either. Lincoln Lake is brutal when you come from sea level. Yeah, I just remember like Lucas like looking me in the eyes at one point. He's like, dude, I think I'm passing out. And I'm like, dude, come on. Like, fuck, I don't want to have to just deal with you pass out. Like, let's just keep going, dude. But um, yeah, I don't know. We had like a pretty good time. I think like mainly in terms of the climbing, though, I think it's what we want to get at. Um, the style is like very different. I mean, it's still granite, but the granite's different. The granite's formed in a different way, and it like lives in a much drier, higher altitude and sunnier environment. So I think those things in general, like it's very humid and wet here, which I think makes the rock a little bit different and also changes how it's exfoliated over the years. But the rock in Lincoln, at least I noticed, was like quite crumbly and friable and dry. 
Um, and it definitely wasn't the best. A lot of the classic climbs there, it's kind of just like, yeah, they're hard, but like, they're just not super cool to me maybe. Um, and I think the, the moments I did have in Colorado felt like a lot of learning with like small moments of climbing kind of dispersed in between. Um, I had like one good day of climbing. I was like, got dropped at Lincoln, um, went down to the Wolvo cave and did evil backwards, which like, honestly, it was kind of fun, but like the holds didn't really get me too psyched. They're pretty dug at. Um, it's pretty like low to the ground and, I know there's a lot of people that are going to be like, oh, but like the movement's still sick and it's fun and like it's hard, but I don't fucking care. Like there's so many boulders out there and there's so many sick boulders that have all those same characteristics that like, why would I want to spend time like just doing that? And the way that Keenan posed it to us is like Colorado is the place that you come to to do like a lot of hard climbing. Um, And he's totally right. It's not like a place of high quality climbing but there's a lot of climbing there which is great and that's really cool for a different reason than quality but i think i prefer quantity and so i I definitely started getting like a little bit bummed at points through the trip because like for one i had to like mentally it was a very different trip dynamic for me like climbing out here normally it's like pretty chill um being the local here like i spend a lot of time on the hard things so like i have them pretty dialed and understood when i'm trying them with other people but then going to Colorado, it was like a very different game. Like being with Keenan, Katie, and Lucas, it was like at a lot of times, you know, almost all the time, like I was kind of the one that they were waiting around for at a boulder and that like puts the pressure on me and I'm like, oh shit, I don't know how to deal with this. Or like everyone's like doing the moves quick and like I'm still figuring it out maybe. And it was just this different dynamic that um, taught me a lot mentally as a climber, just like learning how to climb with other people and like learning how to enjoy myself in those situations still. And also just being like, it's a two week trip. I need to be realistic. Like I'm not going to be like doing a, like I do climb hard. I climb a hard number, but it's because I come from a place of like putting a lot of time and effort in to get there for Lucas. It's very different because he was able to go down there and just like absolutely execute. So when you ask like, can someone who's climbed the singularity, like go to Colorado and climb B15 yeah because like lucas went and lucas is one of like the two people that have done the singularity from like the low map start and he went and climbed a lot of hard stuff i think if he didn't get sick and like he had something he was psyched on he probably would have climbed like v15 while he would like he's so capable i think the situation maybe just didn't play out for it but yeah with lucas in particular and i guess myself having that understanding in movement on the granite climbing here, you go back to a place like Colorado and it's like about learning how to pull and like move between like bigger positions and more dynamic movements. It's a different style. Um, But Lucas was like very good at translating that um, and just kind of simplifying it in a way, maybe. Um, And just being able to execute quickly. I'm bad with that when temps are bad and like, I'm not psyched on a boulder I find it very hard to just like turn my brain off and just do it. But Lucas has this ability to be like, God, we're in a rainstorm at area a and the pads are soaked, whatever. I'm going to turn my brain off and like fire off V14 and like a handful of tries. And you're just like, dude, what? Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, and that just shows 
a higher level of understanding or maybe a higher level of ability. Like he's just that strong that he can do that. But there's a lot of things to speak about there. I think just coming from an area like Squamish, you go there and the climbing is a lot more straightforward and pulley and like Lucas can is very good at like turning the try hard on like immediately. Yeah, we'll we'll have to save that story of Lucas yeah, just crushing Ode to the Modern Man uh for another for another episode. It was it was incredible uh hearing that. As well as then he flashed nothing but sunshine. Is that did he flash that one? Yeah, that yeah. was pretty uh, funny. Did oh, did man. some hard boulders. You know, th- those yeah. boulders are, are hard boulders. Well, it was also interesting hearing your story about doing Warrior Up. And and I also I just gotta point out, just because I always say this and I think that it's sometimes it's tempting to knock the 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 quality of climbs in Colorado because of the aesthetics. Uh, because I'm not saying they're not a good quality of climbs, like fundamentally, but oftentimes just you kind of get in a cave and you're like, it's low ball and dabby and kind of miserable. But I will say that Lincoln Lake is one of the most beautiful places that I've been to. Just not not when you're in the cave. Uh, huddling down on, you know, uh, underneath a bunch of boulders, but instead standing on top of those boulders, one of the most beautiful places. And uh, I, I do, I, maybe it's coming from the the West Coast where we have just these tall, gorgeous boulders and, and uh, Squamish, I actually find Squamish kind of interesting where Squamish has both some of the most impressive lines I've ever seen in my life, uh, but also some very low ball kind of, dumpy lines too that get popular like the egg is not that that beautiful man i just gotta tell you <laughs> although the egg is actually i really wanted to say this when you told me that you busted out the egg on your trip something i found really interesting on the egg that just kind of hints at interesting movement and squamish and things that you maybe aren't used to is the egg you start with a left heel hook and then you push underneath uh like flagged on a really you know, you have to really push with your right foot. And it's just such a, you know, I'll post a video or something of it, but it's just really different. Like I definitely had never done a move like that. Yeah. Basically if like, this is the foot you want to like, you want to, uh, yeah, I guess it would be, if this is the foot and this is like your right ankle, you want to like turn your ankle up so you can point and push through it sideways and then like drop your heel and get rubber contact on it. And uh, a symmetrical shoe works better than an asymmetrical one. I, I had no problem with that first move, but it was the later moves that I actually struggled with because they were so subtle and slopey. And when I would do the moves, this is just classic Squamish, when I would do the moves, it felt easy, but like you you kind of just get your hips in. I don't know, it felt really easy when I did it, but impossible, like just nonsensical. Uh, but Okay, so let's just go back to Colorado and contrast it here with Squamish because I just found it interesting where you said this that you didn't have as much fun in Colorado when it came to these these climbs and uh, you know uh, general trip dynamics aside, you know this extra layer of complexity that Squamish brings it just it made me think of two things like you're a glutton for punishment because you like uh, the, the projecting uh, side of things versus just showing up and, and ticking things and just being like, good, I, I did another one to add to my A day. Uh, but then also brought me back to that idea of, of grades. And, and what does it mean that you, uh, you know, like you smashed warrior up really quick, evil back. Both of these are 
our hard V13s, I mean, uh, Warrior Up actually used to get V15. So the fact you did it, you know, really quickly, uh, you know, still speaks to kind of your ability as straightforward style. So what is this extra layer of complexity both mean for enjoyment? And then how do we think about grades when you take someone like Lucas, who maybe if you looked at his 8A or his re- his climbing resume, wouldn't be quite as impressive as you might think. But then when you put him in the scenario where there's a lot of hard climbs around, he does them quickly and easily. And so how do we think about comparing something like the singularity to, I don't know, the game, or I, I don't know a good example of, of a V15 to compare it to, but yeah. How, how do we think about that? Sure. Um, I think the first thing I'll, I'll preface, I'll just cover Lucas. Cause I think there's an interesting point to be made here about like climbing in Canada in general. Um, one thing I've really noticed with Lucas is when he's able to devote time to something and he has the resources to do it. And I guess the same thing with myself in a way, when I have time, I can get away from work when I have free time and I have the resources to go and climb and like have support um, to make that happen. That's when you can go out and really push yourself. Um, when I'm working 40 hours a week, it's hard. Like the only way I make it work is because I live so close to the climbing. Like if it was an hour away, no way I'd be climbing here as much as I do. Like I just, I wouldn't make it out. Um, and for Lucas, like the dude's got a full-time job. He's in school full-time or part-time. I can't quite remember. Um, climbing and training really hard can compete at Like he does a lot. And so I think when you have someone that does that much and they can still perform at a high level when you give them all the resources that a pro athlete would have and all of the privileges that comes with that that guy can probably go and climb like v16 or maybe v17 boulders like if someone came along and was like we see the potential in you and like you in this country to push the sport to the next level here's a salary here's the support what do you want to do that we can support you that dude would take this sport very far in this country But the fact of the matter is there aren't opportunities like that in this country. Money is put into other spots and competition climbing because that's what's relevant in this country. And that's what people care about. Um, Money is allocated elsewhere in the industry. So like, I just think it speaks to a, a greater thing in climbing. Like Lucas, if supported, would go and crush. So it's not really a surprise to me when he goes to Colorado and like just destroys. It's like, no kidding. This is like what we've been talking about this whole time. And like what a lot of people have been telling us is like, you guys just need to go travel. But like the fact of the matter is there's life too. And like money and um, time away from work, like you just can't make it all line up. So I think when you can make it happen and you have the opportunity and privilege that like a lot of people do in high performance climbing, then like, great. You can push yourself to that very high level, but until you get to that point or until someone comes along and it's like, Hey, we want to support you and like actually push this. And like, we definitely do have some people that are like doing that for us now, like Keenan and Antigrav have been like very, very gracious and like a huge support for both of us um, in like the recent year. But um, yeah, I just think when you see someone like him, it just speaks to the potential rather than the ability of his climbing here and what that means in another place. I think, it's just different because like when he does all the hard climbing here, he's still coming up between like jobs and work and stuff. Like, you know, he's 
busy too and like a lot of the boulders i remember him doing like he would come up and text me after like you know he'd be at the gym at like five or six in the morning to root set and then like work a whole shift and then would like come up to squamish after with like some of his friends and we'd like go and like climb on like v13 or v14 and he would like just like okay one that was funny was like offenders of the faith i know i'm getting a bit off track here but like you know he was there for like two hours before I went up and started sessioning and like got close a bunch. And then we got there um, and like started trying and he had this huge split in his finger and he was like kind of getting psyched to try again. He was like, Oh, maybe I can give it like one more. And it was like dark and he'd been up for like the whole day. And like, he just like wrecked and you're like, this is not someone that's going to like, you know, do this boulder right now. Maybe he just doesn't look optimized. Like another time, he would crush but right now lucas looks wrecked and then you know the dude like glues his fingers shut and tapes it and just pulls on and like does the boulder and it's like all right well, lucas did another fa like sick that's hard and it's just like i think it just shows how hard he can climb right um and then in terms of like call i don't know do you want to say anything about that before i go on about colorado rather I know that was like a little bit of a side point. No, no, I, I, I love it. It's funny that you, you know, you called out Lucas as someone who's just really kind of incredible and has tons of potential and just needed to travel more. But you know, the, the resources are always tricky, which is why he didn't come today because he had a shift that he needed to work. And yeah. I, I also want to just shout out anti-grav and their support of you guys. And I want to point out that that that's a huge vote of confidence uh, from, I mean, I got to tell you, people outside of anti-grav, definitely, they, when <laughs> when you ask them about you and Lucas, you know, the reason, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you and, and Lucas on is that a lot of people have your guys' names in their mouth as someone, uh, as people who are up and coming and doing things that are underappreciated. And, you know, I, I, uh, I just did this podcast with, with Roman Yalowitz yeah. about kind of this new era coming into Tahoe. And I got that same feeling uh, that, you know, I'm just, and I'm kind of making this up. So I, it's not you saying this, but I, I got the same feeling that there's something really cool happening with you guys up in Squamish because I've been around for long enough to see Squamish, you know, kind of have its moment. And there was some hard climbs, but there was nothing really hard that got put down there. And you just never saw anyone climb v14 up there or v15 or even v16 and you know people come up they do shelter maybe they uh work dream catcher and they go home but no one does singularity no one does singularity just just no one and so i, I do hope that even though you guys don't have maybe the means at this moment that there is room in squamish for you all to realize your potential and to showcase what hard climbing really can be there. Uh, and it's, you know, I, we kind of glossed over this before, but I'll, I'll make you say that Tim Clifford comment again, when mm -hmm. he was talking about the singularity and just like that, he thought that perhaps Squamish was the future of hard climbing. And before I hand it over to you to, to you know, bring that back up, something that I always find interesting is that we have these, this pendulum swings in climbing and, uh, you know, maybe this will be highlighted in Tim Clifford's comment about the singularity, but there is this technical mastery that we really saw when I had first started climbing and then power and training really came more into vogue uh, in this specific time period. And we see people who are brutally strong and there's nothing wrong. I dude, 
I love, I always say I love vulgar displays of power, but what I'm wondering and what I'm curious about is a place like Squamish, when you combine this incredible technical mastery that is required to climb hard there, uh, and then you combine it with some of this newer school strength that Lucas exhibits that even though you're not saying you, uh, you know, because you're uh, good and humble, I've heard from many people that you are this interesting kid who came in with really just natural extreme strength and then kind of let yourself be consumed by what Squamish is and has to offer in that technical side. And people joke that your pyramid is upside down where you've, you know, you, you, you go and you just, you know, commit to these really technical hard blocks, but that you already have that physical base. And so, you know, it's just, yeah, I, I know that that's to me what I found interesting about contrasting it with Colorado and wondering what's coming down the pipe at, uh, in Squamish. And so I don't know if there's a question there, but I still want to hear you repeat what Tim Clifford said when you talked to him about the singularity, uh, and, and what it was like a long time ago. Yeah. Um, okay. I guess first I'll touch on like warrior up quickly. Cause I think that kind of just like concludes my trip. Um, I had that day basically after I did evil, I like ran to warrior up. I had like gone and found it the other day and, um, I was like, okay, this looks like worth trying. And I felt good after I did evil and nice and warm. So I ran over and like, I just started trying it quickly. And, you know, another kind of mediocre sized boulder in the talus. Um, it's kind of just like a one mover. It, it's kind of like the shelter of Lincoln, honestly. It's like just cramps and a couple moves. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was able to do the end really quickly. I did it in two like three moves instead of four it's like skipped one intermediate you can just like jump off an in cut um but there's just like this one move at the start that was kind of hard which is just like pulling off an underclang and like hitting a crimp and it just suited me really well like i'm really good with like um tim and i talk about this like a lot with the climbing style here but it's very much in your lat like underclings like you like pull on an underclang and like put it into your back and like squeeze through your lat to hold it there. And you're not really bicep curling, but it's more through like back tension. And that like definitely comes into play with my swimming background and the natural strength. But like that move just suited me really well. And I was able to just like pull on. And once I able, like was able to learn how to like push through the feet, I could just do the first move. And then like, you know, within a half hour of trying it kind of, I did the boulder and I was like, huh, I don't know if I can do this grade that quick. And like, I guess people would be, I don't know. I was like in the car that day. Um, and I kind of ran around after I like went to moat and I was like, Oh, I'll try and do like three V 13s in a day. That'd be sick. I've like never done that. I've like never climbed two V 13s in a day. And I mean, I did two and I couldn't do moat. I got too tired and gassed and then we left, but yeah, I don't know. Those days at Lincoln just like tire my brain out so much. It's just like, I did a lot of walking that day going from that side and all the way through. And, um, but yeah, my brain was all hazy and like elevation was getting to me and I was tired and it was dark and we we're driving home. So I was kind of just like thinking about the day and reflecting on like what I did. And I was like, okay, well, I haven't had like many good climbing days here so far in terms of like topping out harder problems, but like I just did two and that's two of a number I don't do very often um, like in the same day, that's a number like that back home should take a good amount of effort. And I was like, okay, well, to be honest, I don't really care because the boulders 
weren't that sick. It was more just like I was able to execute and it was like, cool, I can execute, but like, I know I can do that. Like, I know I can do those moves and, um, yeah, it just wasn't as interesting and engaging. And then thinking about the idea of like sharing it online, um, which I tend to do like quite quickly, but maybe never share in depth, like what the experience was like. Um, just thinking about the response that would get, it would be like, wow, you did like two really hard boulders and like, Oh, you downgraded this boulder. It's like, well, I don't know. It just felt like that to me. And like, honestly, like the experience wasn't that cool. So it just kind of felt like one of those things where I was like, God, people are going to like see these numbers and see that I did these things in like X amount of time. and like, call them this great. And like all these different factors and, distill the experience down to that and i was kind of sitting there thinking i was like well like they're not wrong i can't really distill much more from climbing these boulders like being at warrior up like i didn't wasn't beautiful it wasn't cool the movement was all right and the rock is okay but like i'd much rather like hang out on the or like for example like we went to area e one day at mount evans and area e is stunning like top of the valley um the rock is beautiful, very different rock, very good. You're in this really cool setting. Like we got caught in a few like alpine thunderstorms and like there were these vibrant, like crisp rainbows. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And I'm honestly not sure if I ever will, but it was just such a stunning place to hang out for the afternoon. And we're like shoveling snow out of a boulder that we want to climb on. And it's just like, we're not doing any climbing, but we're just hanging out. And that experience was really fun. Like hanging out with Keenan and Kevin and the dogs that day in like the Alpine, that was a great time. And that was beautiful. And those are like the memories I look back on and cherish. Um, but climbing warrior up, it's like, I could really care less. Like I could have done no boulders that trip and been like equally happy. I didn't really gain much from it. It was rather like an exercise in my understanding and abilities as a climber. Um, and so to speak in terms of Squamish climbing, there's this extra step that we've been talking about, obviously. And so what Tim was talking about with the room boulders was kind of like, they require a level of strength, but also they require like very good execution. I think one good way to put it is, I thought about this, like, what's like the easiest way for people to understand like how Squamish climbing feels and like, you ever get on a board and like, I don't moonboard often. So when I get on a moonboard, things feel sandbagged, like V5s, V6s feel like weirdly hard. And you're like, what is happening? And it's not that it's really hard. Maybe sometimes it is, but it's just a different style that you don't understand. And I don't do often. And it's like, sometimes these like V8 boulders on the moonboard, no V8 climber would touch. But if you climb V10 or V11, then it feels like V8 because you have other technical abilities within your realm as a V10, V11 climber that can be applied to this V8 that still make it feel like a V8, but it's not fair to expect the average V8 climber to have that climbing IQ experience because they just don't do those hard movement patterns that you get with V10 or V11 that then teach you certain things that you can apply to your climbing. So with Squamish, I think it's the same thing. Like imagine like, trying to climb boulders at a certain grade without an understanding of the climbing style or like without the climbing IQ that's required. So maybe these boulders are like V15, 
but maybe they feel easy when you do them, but they require like a V15 or V16 level of climbing ability. And so that's, I think, what Tim was really getting at in terms of where you can push difficulty. Like none of these boulders are like, you know, you look at something like Burden, it's like you pull on and like your skin can get mangled. Like you can be done trying pretty quickly because it's just like heinously sharp and like it's short moves. And so you get tired very quickly. Whereas with Squamish, like you're falling a lot because you're doing something wrong. Rather not that you're not trying hard enough, but you're trying hard in the wrong way. And so it becomes difficult to learn how to try hard in the right way. So having the climbing IQ, learning how to navigate that, I think all of those things add to the Squamish climbing. And then for me, when I take myself and put 40 plus days into a project or something, or even less than that, um, for myself, I start to get to the point where I like really care about the boulder problems and wanting to climb them. Um, I don't know. I spend a lot of time like thinking and thinking existentially at times. And I think a lot, I'm like, well, I, I only have so much time in this life. We're all only here for like a certain amount of time. And so to spend that time doing something you don't want to do is stupid. You should pursue the things and the experiences that bring you joy and value in life. And for me, these like, mega projects in Squamish where I learn about myself a lot as a climber and push myself and get to be in beautiful places with my friends and like, you know, all like the laughing and like joking around and hiking, like all these things come together to make like a beautiful life experience. It's very enriching rather than just going and climbing a boulder. It's something that it can be involved in my life in so many different facets that really just makes life much more enjoyable and much better. And so I think I pursue hard climbing in a way for that reason, although it can be very isolating at times. I think the best moments are when you get to share it with everyone. Um, but yeah, hard climbing and being here, I'm just in a place where like, I can do that. I do have that opportunity. And like so many people don't, right? So to ask like, I guess like why I'm doing it and like other people aren't like, I'm just here and I'm putting the time in and like, maybe that's why there's this new wave. Like I'm here and like, there's a bunch of us that are like psyched to just go out and climb and experience something that's like new or of value that like adds to life. And for me, that thing is like hard bouldering. And so to pursue that, like it adds to it, but also we just have people that are now here doing it. And maybe Squamish hasn't had that as much in recent years, or it's maybe just like slowed down a little bit, but now there's like a new wave here and there's a new level of strength. And with a new level of strength, there's maybe like you can apply that strength with a high level of climbing IQ to then do newer, harder things. Um, but that's only going to happen with people here that put the time in and care enough for it. Well, I'm all about, the the community aspect and you probably don't know this about me but my degree is actually in philosophy cool. so uh existentialism thinking about things that's uh i'm on board man uh and i i just i love seeing you guys push into this new development and push into this new way of climbing and i i think that the reason why i i keep picking at squamish being different is cuz i'm just always interested in what I think of as the lead domino. And we were just talking about Dave Graham being 
uh, you know, do ballerinas go and train for ballet or do they just be ballerinas and then, you know, practice their sport and see what comes. And, and I, I'm always curious as to, especially as someone who's getting older and really, really busy, like what's the greatest way for me to both, you know, enjoy myself, but then have a, a return on the time that I do have to devote to climbing. And, you know, is that me, you know, hangboarding on my own? Is it me, uh, you know, moonboarding? Is it, you know, climbing outside on a specific type. And I think it is, the answer is different for every single person, but it's why I like exploring, you know, these different areas and understanding again, what makes Squamish different, because it seems to me like I had this experience where I, I, I leveled up from my time there and in a way that I had, I didn't understand. And I didn't understand why it, it made me into a better climber despite quote unquote lower grades. And so again, I'm, I'm always interested, like, what are these lever? What's the, if I could only pull one lever, you know, what would I pull? And it's, it's interesting to, to see and to understand kind of the, why that maybe happened to me in Squamish and, and then maybe encourage other people to broaden their horizons and be open to these different ways of climbing that can really take them into both really fun, beautiful experiences, as well as, uh, you know, make them climb harder. And, you know, I, when I say climb harder, you know, here, you're just talking about the experiences you get from climbing, the joy that brings you. And you hear me bringing up grades and people may think that those are juxtaposed or it's antithesis, you know, this idea of soul climbing versus hard climbing. But I think it ties into what you were saying where the, I, I really, I would always argue that climbing harder is more fun because it's deeper, like climbing a, a V8 is not the same as climbing a V0, but with smaller holds, there's this complete understanding and openness to the experience and a, a depth of introspection on each hold. And so this is why, you know, I, I'm going to link enjoyment and focus and depth to grades, because I, I don't think that chasing grades is always this like Look, look at me. I climb this grade because honestly, no one gives a shit how hard I climb. Like I have no, no sponsor. No one cares, but I do because I know that it often is that experience I have to go through deepens the, the mastery of the sport that I've chosen to, to do. So hopefully I, I link those in a non gross way, uh, for you. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely like an interesting topic to bring grades into it. Um, like grades are. I think always hot topic of debate in the climbing community and like people's relationship with them. And um, yeah, I guess I didn't really talk much about it, but like my relationship with climbing in the past or bouldering, at least in the past years has definitely developed and changed and being in Squamish the past, like almost two years has really played a big role in that. Um, but I guess to give some insight, like really quick summary, like started climbing when I was, 15 um pretty new i would have been in 2017 right so think about like where climbing was in that era and now climbing has grown a lot and i was in this place for a little bit where i had this very rapid progression and people saw a lot of potential in me and i was like well this is great like i'm good at this this is nice i feel good about it and it's because people see me doing x y and z that they think i'm good and therefore, it gives me some self-confidence, some value. I associate my value and worth as a climber with my achievements because that is what people feed me, right? 
And then as I got older and like more into climbing and climbing harder, it was like, oh, now I want to perform for sponsors so sponsors can support me. Um, and in the end, what I've realized in my time here is like when it comes to grades, like to be harsh, no one fucking cares, honestly. Grades are so hard to understand. And I think the best thing to do is like find the relationship that feels the most healthy for grades with you. For myself, I spent a lot of time questioning that, like, why am I pursuing bigger numbers? Why am I trying to progress? I'm trying to progress so I can move up further in the climbing world. So people see me more so I can get notoriety so I can get sponsors. So sponsors can pay me, but ultimately I've realized that's not what gets you those things in the climbing industry anymore. The climbing industry is changing and climbing hard and like doing something different really doesn't matter as much as maybe it used to, or like doing something unique and trying to push into new boundaries um, and maybe not being super marketable or something like those things matter more. And so now I've gotten to this point where I'm like, well, if it doesn't matter, then great. Like, why do I care then? Why do I keep going back? Like, cause on a day off climbing, I don't just go and like climb 50 boulders and top stuff out. I go to a project. I go to something I can't climb. So why, like what ticks inside me that, that pushes me to do that and i think it's the pursuit of a challenge and then i think where grades come into play now is like looking in this like don't think as grades as linear think as grades as um they're exponential and there's also maybe like ranges that you can stay within grades different groups and so with the boulders and squamish i've been like grouping them into different levels like year by year year one there was this like level of boulders here that were in like the v13 14 range that we were climbing and like they're in that bubble and like those grades create a certain experience for me and take a certain amount of time. And then in year two, now there's been this next level of like V14, V15 and now like V16 is on the horizon for Squamish. It's like, well, that's a range of grades that create a different experience and require different things. So just having that understanding, I can then go into those things and be like, is this grade range going to be right for me? What will this provide? What will I have to maybe do to get myself up this boulder? Right. Like, I'm not just going to be able to do it because if I can, that's fun, but it's not going to provide a very fulfilling long-term experience that I'm looking for. Um, so just realize, like, I don't know, when it comes to, like, questioning your your pursuit, I think just try and understand why, again, there's many reasons why you might be trying to do something. And for me in recent years, like, now hard climbing is just something that like provides the experience I'm looking for. It makes me think about climbing in like a creative way and like looking at features that look blank and impossible and like things that anyone would look at and be like, wow, like that doesn't look climbable. And then getting to the point with it where it is climbable and you're like, wow, now that felt effortless. That's a very cool journey. But obviously that journey is also like, you know, it's hard to distill that into one number, but the number obviously reflects like a rough range. So um, I think with the grades, it's just a matter of like getting an understanding of what that might mean for you and then being like, okay, is this like in the right grade range? Also an understanding of style. Like, dude, there are V3s I can't do in the forest. And like, I don't try them because it hurts my ego. And like, I confront that, but I'm open with that. And it's not a good thing. And it's something I need to work on learning to put the ego aside and just go climbing for the sake of climbing. is like amazing too. And you can learn from so many ways, but ultimately the experiences I enjoy in the end. And what I look back on that like adds to my year in life are these grander experiences that feel rather like a big journey and process.
but there's learning everywhere. But this is just like what I choose. Yeah, I, I, dude, I love that, uh, that idea that there's almost different experiences, even in the same grade range. And you kind of said, oh, there's like these 13s and 14s that require a certain thing. And then there's these other, like, they could still be 13s and 14s and they require something else, even though maybe the grade's the same. And I, I have this list when, when people go to Squamish, I encourage them to climb these, these certain climbs because the experience, it teaches you so much. And, uh, it's one of the few places that I think has that opportunity for lower grades. And you were saying V3s in the forest that are difficult. And one of my, uh, I think this is one of the best climbs ever personally is this thing called, uh, I think it's called the old and the serious or old and serious. And you do this thing where you traverse so good. So here's my experience with it. And God, my, my, my wife, my, my girlfriend at the time, took a ride on it that was pretty pretty wild where you you do some kind of easier traverse moves and then you get stood up on a slab and then you have to get your feet up onto really bad footholds and commit to them to grab the top and there's no way around it and it, it's it's v3 and once you commit to those feet it's it's really nothing it's really not i mean it's v3 it's just a slab and you kind of just stand up on these feet and you don't even think twice about it but that first time you're up there I mean, at least for me, and and maybe if you're you know a master, you you wouldn't even think twice about this. But I had a moment, and I thought, oh, that's how I have to do this problem. Like it, that's what I'm going to have to to embrace. And it took me a moment. I had to learn that lesson. And uh, you know, I'm just going to list off a, a few climbs from the the forest slash all of Squamish that I think are amazing. And, and maybe you can share some of the ones that you think are special. But I. I got a I got a shout out Viper, which is like this oh, I don't yeah. know, V4, V5, and there's this pinch blocky thing. And you have to really commit to it, right? You have to really like embrace it. And then there's squealing pork, I think mm-hmm. is this beautiful, perfect mix of subtlety and sitting on a heel and grabbing little small crimps. It's this beautiful kind of blunt arete, right? You know, right around the corner from Resurrection, which gets a lot of love, which is an incredible V V9. And and it is, but I just think there's something about actually both those climbs are incredible. (laughs) There's Kung Fu Panda, I thought was just this unique climb that I could not figure out. And I think it's V4. And if you ever do it, you'll see why it's called Kung Fu Panda after you do it. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was would be fun to kind of shout out some of these climbs that maybe maybe you know the the grades don't totally represent the experience that you go through and i think this is typical of squamish i also got to tell you i i found some of that in yosemite and in my little time in fontainebleau where that it's like there's this grade but then there's this lesson that you get from doing it that you kind of i mean there's a reason how many other v3s in my life st- stand out like old olden series maybe none Maybe uh, once upon a time in in Yosemite, but yeah. So I thought that's kind of a fun little way to think about Squamish. If you have any other climbs you want to add to that list as being ones that can teach you uh, that maybe the grade doesn't quite represent the, the lesson you might learn from it. Um, one of my all-time favorite sufferfests on the granite is Baba Haridas. <laughs> um, and I know of like, there've been a, oh, a yeah. lot of people, a lot of strong people that have passed through town that like really struggle with that boulder. And it's really a, a great equalizer because there's not really a whole lot of holds. It's not the most straightforward. It's very body position. Like the mantle at the end is kind of like grovelly and weird. And you're just like thugging on this like blunt arete the whole time. And you're just like, gah, gah, gah. and when it's hot, you're like sliding as you climb. And 
that one is just like it's always a challenge no matter what um trying to think of some other good ones i mean the egg the egg is like how, so little how hard is baba hari das i'm looking it's v7 I, okay i'm trying to look on my i remember i thought i did it but i'm looking on my 8a to see if i actually did it and i don't know oh, if i did I, I thought i thought i tried to do that maybe i just was one of those who failed yeah, yeah no that one's great though um what else is really good here yeah, I don't know. I really like resurrection is great. I honestly like I don't do a whole lot of the easier climbing here. Like when I do, I don't remember when I do. Like I really only remember the stuff that like I'm out at a lot. There's so many days that just feel like a haze from the summer where we're like, you know, long weekends and just like going out, running around and doing a bunch of problems. But everything is unique. And I think the thing that you made a good point is like every boulder in a way here kind of feels like it has a little lesson it can teach you. Like you could almost try and like name a distinctive technical quality that like each boulder and classic boulder here teaches you because it kind of feels like that. Um, but all in all, I think just like any of the boulders here approaching like the granite in general, just trying to see what the trick is and trying to figure out the trick. That's like the right mindset to one, like have fun here and also get better. But yeah. Oh, that's cool. I love that. Well, I'm going to then, uh, I, I may bug you to see if I can put together a little list of climbs, but if not, I'll, I'll just share mine. Yeah, because go for it. I'm curious. I don't know. It, it's have. funny. It's one of the few places where when people, at, <laughs> well, people often ask me like, oh, you've been here. What do you recommend? And often they're stronger climbers and they want to hear like, what's that sick V10 or V12? You know, like what's that classic that you just think you can't miss, but Squamish is one of the few places. Well, also because I didn't do any of the, the, uh, <laughs> the double digits, but um, I, I have just a long list of, you know, between about V3 and V7, I think are just special, which yeah. is speaks to, to it. But that's also again, why I'm interested in hearing you guys push into that 14, 15, 16 range, which you know, it makes me wonder, like, what does a V16 look like in Squamish? Like, that's going to be Room different. service sit. Yeah, there's a few Holy things. Shit. Yeah, I mean, excited to see that. I can definitely speak about what that looks like. Like, we do have stuff that is kind of that next level. It's just like I've been saying, like, it's a matter of having the people that are trying it and, like, are capable and have the time to put in. But it's out there for sure. Like, there are, there's a lot of projects. <laughs> yeah. A lot of classics, but also a lot of projects and they're good too. Yeah. It blew me away. How many projects you were saying were just nearby some of the climbs that we had been talking about. And I was like, right there. And that's actually, what's funny is that is something that I heard echoed from uh, Roman and Jimmy about yeah. Tahoe. Uh, and I think Carlos said this too, that the joke for them was that you want to find a great project, just go where everyone else is growing, going and it's right next door. Like there's all these climbs that people just are overlooking, but it takes those fresh eyes. And that's why I, you know, I thought it was cool just hearing about your fresh eyes. You, you know, you and Lucas and that crew up there, you guys do have fresh eyes and, uh, you know, excited to see what you guys uh, put down. And I, I love that video float that you put out with you guys doing all those 14s and 15s and, FAs and Zazen and Singularity that that I I really loved that video you guys put out too it was just kind of it just I don't know it felt a little old school it felt very I don't know now talking to you for a couple hours it it I can tell you made it and uh, and I get it uh, and I I encourage, I'll link it in the show notes but uh, on that note 
Uh, I will ask you if you uh, have have a pro tip for the listeners, Ethan. Yeah, definitely. So I think the general theme of kind of all I talk about with climbing really in my approach um, would be approach climbing um, with, you know, the idea that you're going into a very open experience. Just be open to everything. Be open to what happens. If you sense fear and tension and, and anxiety and like, um, you know, question it, like lean into it, question yourself. Like, wh- what does that feel like? How does my body feel with those feelings? How can I learn from it? How can I push into it? Um, and continue to like search for deep experiences within climbing. And I think you'll continue to grow. Um, and I just think it's something that like not a lot of people really consider these days with climbing. There's a lot of talk with like training and like how to project and whatnot. But I think just at the end of the day, simply being open to the experience and and willing to learn from it. um, That's my pro tip. And I think that's been like my theme all year. Someone just asked me like maybe a week or two ago, they were like, dude, why do you, there's a lot of people here that climb like Squamish big climbing town, but not a lot of people like put a lot of time into projecting. Um, And they were like, why do you do it? And like, if you put a lot of time in and you, don't do it. Does that scare you? And like the simple thing I had to ask myself too, and maybe this goes along with the pro tip is like, if you spent 40 days on your project, think about what those 40 days would look like, who you would be there with, where you would be, what those days would feel like, what the air would be like, what it would smell like, what the forest would look, all those things. Think about what those 40 days mean to you. And if you don't do it in the end, are you okay with that? Because if you can still walk away with something, that's still a win. Um, so I think just questioning your motives with climbing and, and be open to everything. And you'll continue to progress not only as a climber, but like also just as a person in life that's willing to move through like uncomfortable and tense situations and like question the impossible or like the undiscovered maybe. Yeah. Growth is good. Damn it, Ethan, you're you're way more wise than me. I'm way older than you. I dude, I was just I was your age. I was just trying to tick those climbs, pull through all the holds, and just got my ass kicked and got angry. And in some ways I didn't like Squamish and I just wanted to go to a place where I could crush. And it's just funny. It it, it makes me think of something that how do I put this? There's some quote around. The, the thing to reach the goals you want, you often have to get at them tangentially. So, you know, people hear this and it sounds like, you know, you're just kind of out there doing whatever, but then you are having massive success. And I think what people uh, mistake along their journey is they think like, oh, if I just get my crimp strong, like really focus on this one thing that I'll get to my goals. But in some ways you have these goal- goals and you kind of let them go and you're just open to the journey that takes to get there. And instead of it being this very linear, like I go here and I do V13. So then, you know, next year I do a V14 and boom, boom, boom. And it's just, you know, life doesn't work out like that. Training doesn't work out like that. And, you know, it's, it's like, it's a total Zen thing where it's like, if you want it, let it go, just be open to the experience. And I, I think that there's something about what you said that I really liked where if you go out and project a bunch and you, you know, you don't do it, but you know, can you be okay with that? And I actually think what that gets at when you started, I I thought you were going to say something different because you started describing these beautiful days. 
the air, the time with your friends, actually climbing and being outside. And what I thought you were just going to say is like, isn't that like a fucking win? You know, like, you know, if you thought that you should have spent your other 40 days on Nintendo or something, exactly. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. I thought that was really interesting, man. And and I just, thanks for, thanks for, I don't know, imparting some wisdom to this, this guy, this old man, all the listeners, uh, but it's, it's working. Whatever you're doing, man, I can't believe you climbed V15 in six years. And starting at 15 is actually older than than most people, which is interesting. So yeah. um, just a, a shout out to people who think they started too late when they started at 14. And uh, I love your approach. And I love Squamish. And I can't wait to see what you guys uh, do up there over the next you know five years. And and uh, just the way that you view climbing. And the I, I, it makes me think that you guys are going to find those projects because you're, you're just kind of open to those experiences. And it sounds like the forest is just inundated with it. So um, I hope to visit and, and find out for myself soon. Yeah. Yeah. Come on up and and check it out. We've got a lot here. All right. Uh, uh, Last thing for you. Um, We, we spoke about anti-grav a bit, but I, I know that, I know they've been supportive. I know you've been doing some collaboration with them and just wanted to, you know, give you a chance to either shout them out or shout out any kind of upcoming media you're doing because we, you know, we all love those guys. And again, it's, it's really cool that they chose you and Lucas to support Asquamish. I think it says a lot about, you know, your guys's both capabilities now and your upcoming potential. And so just wanted to give you a chance to, to either, you know, to shout out anti-grav or anything you have coming down the pipe with them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, yeah, for those who don't know, anti-grav, this is- uh, climbing company started by Keenan. Um, we're doing clothing right now, um, doing some drops every now and then. And then, yeah, we got some videos on the way. Um, like float was kind of the first little thing that I just did on my own run before anti-grav. And then once we linked up with Keenan, um, that's when, you know, things started rolling a little bit more. Um, I don't really know how many like concrete plants we have right now. We have a lot of footage and I've been like trying to, I've done a lot with a lot of the footage, but like we don't really have any concrete plans. Um, I guess like public knowledge is like Lucas is on the team and like um, there'll be a video of Lucas coming out with him on a boulder that he did here in the past year. Um, so that should be cool. I just don't know when or where that's going to happen. This all kind of comes down to like planning logistics and then same boat. Like I've, I've edited like a 20 minute, film right now it's like in a rough cut but i don't know if i'm gonna put the whole thing out i might just put it somewhere on the internet like on a private link for it to live one day and just share with friends and people who know maybe leave a little leave a little trail behind or something of clues for the film but um yeah there's a lot of footage we're just trying to like figure out what to do with it i'm pretty psyched but yeah it's been great having like keaton support it's kind of just been like what i've been looking to do is work with the company that wants to support me as a climber and not just uh, a marketing tool, but as someone who can like add to the company and be involved. And um, yeah, I guess just like a huge shout out to Keenan for being like a really real dude and like actually looking out for people that he believes in and um, trying to do something different with climbing and like take a risk. I think that's like pretty cool. I think climbing's in this really big spot where, you can kind of have businesses and companies like anti-grav grow like you see it in other extreme sports. And I think now it's time for climbing to kind of push off and 
um, seeing Keenan kind of commit to what he believes in and what he values and what he thinks climbing needs and what he can bring to the community has been like pretty rad. And I'm just happy to be along for it. Um, yeah, I guess otherwise, like there's always blocks on the way coming. Big ups to Andy Lamb. That dude's getting really close on the room service project. He like sent me a video and I was like working at the gear shop the other day and he was like, dude, I got close. And I like watched the video and like he, I think it was like two moves away from the end, which like it's close. But to be fair, those last two moves are like really powerful. And when you're limit, they're going to be hard. I fell there a lot, but Andy's really pushing it and. Yeah, mainly, like, big ups to all the homies around here. It's been really fun having, like, just a lot of real people to climb with as of late that are, like, in it for the right reasons and are just, like, really honest, solid, truthful people. And, yeah, that just means a lot to have, like, in a area like Squamish and pretty thankful to keep being real. And, uh, yeah, just psyched to have a lot of things going on, really. And... It's like to see what the future holds and share with everybody. Plus one on, on that sharing. If you put out that video, don't just put it on a private <laughs> link. Uh, you, you know, I, I know there's always this tension about being, you, know, you don't want to be a uh, just a, a marketing tool like you're talking about and, and your appreciation for anti-grav. But I just, I think it's cool when these companies come out that just showcase a, a, a niche within the community. Like, you know, Keenan oh, right. has his own view of what climbing is like, I mean, he puts up the FAs he does are the FAs that Keenan does because that's, you know, that's the kind of vision he has. And so when people take that into the business world and showcase a a style that they believe in, I love that. And please don't think that you putting out sick media is somehow a sellout. I want to see it, man. Like, and I, I mean, we were both talking about this before, how it was nice to, it's nice to do these longer form things where it just, this is the reality of the process. You know, you, you see a, a five minute clip or a, a five second clip of someone doing something like the singular and you think, oh, that's really cool. But then hearing that background on Tim Clifford, Nale, you know, the 50 days you put in and what it means to to do something like that. And it's very, it, that nuance is beautiful. It's one of the reasons why this is the, the medium that I've chosen, mm-hmm. right, is is I, I love hearing those layers. And I, I just appreciate you coming on and sharing that. But with that said, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of uh, climbing porn of hard sending too. So please totally. don't uh, keep that to yourself. Yeah. Man. Please share it. And thank you to, to you know, to Antigraph for supporting that too. So, totally. Yeah. It'll love it, man. Definitely really see the light of day eventually. I just don't know in what form. I always like have the way that I like kind of want the video to be. And then there's like always things that you kind of have to conform to. Um, but public eyes will get to see footage. Um, eventually this footage is in fact real and it does exist. So that's nice. I guess there's our Colorado video actually that is coming out. I don't know when, and Keenan did that like really, really sick project at area E called ego death. And I know we'll have a video coming out for that at some point. Um, the footage was actually like on the website for the drop for a bit. So when there's drops, keep your eyes peeled. Maybe there'll be some footage floating out for a day. 
Well, in the meantime, go go follow uh, Ethan on Instagram, at least at Ethan Salvo, and uh, you probably is your YouTube channel uh, a similar thing? Just drop drop those those notes. We'll put them in the in the links so that people can, when you finally do decide to to grace the internet with your hard sends, uh, which I know you don't do as much, but you know some of us, some of this uh, people like me. I've got a lot going on in my life and I wish I could get out climbing more, but sometimes you just got to live vicariously. And I also think that the power of inspiration is a big deal. Totally. You know, seeing, I've talked about this before, but there's been pictures I've seen or mid videos I've seen that I literally traveled around the world just to go do that climb. Like it, it, it hits home. And so, um, yeah, please do. And we'll link in the show notes or, you know, if you ever drop that video, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes even later, uh, for people who find this years later and then, uh, keep us updated when, uh, when those new things get found oh, and we'll do. good luck on them. Yeah. And thanks for sharing your, your wisdom yeah. dog. I appreciate it. Still looking dry out there. So I'm going to, I'm going to go try this over get, I think. Get out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so cool. Thanks again for having awesome, me man. and it was great chatting. All right. Take care, Ethan. Thanks, man. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about Test Piece Climbing, you can check us out at testpiececlimbing.com and even book a session with one of our coaches.